right, cool. So uh, the Manifest Iron, uh, this would be actually episode three. Episode three. Episode well, hopefully three. I didn't delete your first two. No, nah, I, I, I got them saved. It's okay. in the cloud, I think. Okay, maybe. Wherever that is, hopefully. Uh, today I got uh, one of my... One of my really, really good friends and brothers, uh, Nathan Barno, with me. We've podcasted a couple times before. It's always good stuff. And then a new friend and brother, uh, Joe Sullivan. What's up, Mike? How's it going, buddy? Good. Just waking up, man. Yes. It was a long day yesterday. We uh, we had a push-pull yesterday for charity, um, and... Uh, it was it was a good soul day. That's what it, that's kind of my new thing right now is things for the soul. Yes, mm-hmm. we talked about that a little bit, Nathan, in our last podcast. Um, it was uh, it was kind of neat too because there was a couple moments where um, there's a couple moments where people kind of said things that really really solidified the fact that it was a soul day things that came from the heart and little quotes and quips here and there that you could tell that the room was just filled with nothing but just love i guess and nothing else in the outside world really meant meant anything yeah i feel like that's what it's all about i mean you know beyond trying to get stronger and you know pushing our bodies like you know why do we do this shit because you know it, it feels something inside of us and you can definitely tell when you got a whole room whole gym full of people like pushing themselves and dedicating themselves through the sport of powerlifting and that's what I thought was really cool yesterday because you know it was just you know it was powerlifting like we were just benching and deadlifting like two simple ass movements that people do you know every day but, you know, when you get people together that are passionate about those things in an environment, like it could have been fucking ping pong or underwater <laughs> basket weaving. But the same thing when, you know, you when you have that passion of all of those people and all of that love, it does you like you feel that in your soul. Like I was up there judging and like every lift, that was probably the most fun I've ever had judging an event as I was, you know, I was right there, not just, you know, making sure they were had a good lift or not like I was there supporting and I was in that because everybody was in that you could not be drawn in to the to passion and the love and everything that was in the atmosphere and I you know I got that from a couple uh, I talked to Sean last night and uh, he's over there in the doorway hulking around he said the same thing he's like man it's just I was recording and I just felt like I just felt like I got tears I got chills you know it's just is something that uh, people that maybe haven't experienced the platform before or something like that, uh, you know, Tevin texted me and he goes, hey, man, I want to do another meet. I want to do another meet after today. You know, he's only done one before, and he's like, I want to do another meet now. You know, a couple other people was like, hey, how do I do this? How do I do yeah. this? And it's, it's interesting because it's, uh, it's not really, it's not this. Like, I feel like the push-pull or the actual lifting part of it wasn't really what made those feels yeah, you know, you yeah, know what I'm saying. That, that's <clears throat> that's the biggest thing that I sort of got away or got took from yesterday is just the whole the whole idea that it's not about you; it's about the collective. Um, just either it's you could say community, you could say family, you could say whatever, call it whatever you want. But it's just that sort of energy in the air when 
when you were talking, when you were being the MC, or when somebody was going for a PR, or when somebody was celebrating a PR, like that that one dude, I don't know who that one dude was, but he was like the guy that was screaming and he was like yelling in the warm-up room. And at a point I was like, bro, chill, it's cool. But then at the, like he hit a PR on his third attempt and he just went nuts. And I was like, okay, I don't even care. Like that was the greatest, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Was that the dude with the mullet? Might have been. Dal- Dalton. Dalton. Not only did he have a mullet, but he had, he's named after a character from Roadhouse. That's amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. No, actually, that was I'd never met him before either, and he was one of the guys. He's somebody that reached out to me. I gave him my number when he left. I'd never met him before, and uh, he sent me this sent me this text about um, like how this was so amazing for him and mm-hmm. how it just opened him up, and he'd never been a part of anything like this and stuff like that. So, I mean. It seems goofy to s- some of us, uh, especially like some of us that have been around a while. Dude, and, and that's what I was saying, because like I've been competing for like go- going on 12 years now. So it gets to a point where I'm like, dude, like it's OK. Like, let, let's let's warm up and then do it on the platform. It's all right. But then I, I think back and I'm like, fuck, I was that guy. You know, I was the dude like I, I've. If you go back, I was a collegiate wrestler too, and I was, there were times like I gave myself a black eye. I got a, this nice scar on my forehead because I tried to beat up a concrete pillar, and <laughs> I did I did not succeed. But like, you know, I I look back and I'm like, man, it's it's just it's just cool to see that excitement, that that joy or passion or whatever word you want to call it, in other people. You know, so I yeah, and I cool. think that's. You know, because there's especially at a meet like that where a lot of the people are either first timers or they're just kind of showing up and just having fun. And that's, you know, and there's a lot of different levels to powerlifting. Like Mm -hmm. you do have those guys that, you know, maybe they're not trying to go win worlds or be the best in the world, but just by the expression of their strength, wherever that's at, you know, and just having that outlet to fucking scream in the warm-up room and just be themselves. Like, I feel like that is a lot of the draw and a lot of the value that people get out of, I mean, not only powerlifting, but a lot of the strength sports. It's Mm -hmm. it's a realm to just have that radical self-expression because when you're lifting heavy-ass shit, like, it's okay to yell and scream, even if it's not necessary, and, you know, even if some people go as far as, like you said, beating your head against cement and, like, just having that outlet to where you can go and do whatever you feel like you need to do. And it's, it's cathartic in a way. Yeah. Before, before we get too far, I want to, for those of you that do not know who Joe Sullivan is, uh, oh, he's yeah. one of the best pound-for-pound power lifters in the world. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, all-time best lifts, we have an 881.8 squat mm-hmm. in wraps, uh, 540 bench, yep. and a 749 deadlift. Yep. And most of those were done at 220. Mm-hmm. So um, not only is Joe one of the best there is, uh, he's he's pushed the sport to – I was actually there. He's pushed the sport to the limits. Uh, I was there in San Diego with you when you tried to make the cut to – 198 and put yourself pretty much in the hospital Mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, be one of the best at 198 as well. And now you're taking, you're kind of taking your, uh, I guess, career to a different place right now. You're trying to become a firefighter in Columbus, Mm -hmm. 
correct? Yep, I'm going through the uh, the hiring process for Columbus Fire. Uh, it it can take anywhere from like a year to three years to get hired. So it's 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 a long process, and it's it's funny because I'm still like I'm I'm not done competing. I still plan on hitting PRs. Like I want to take some shots at all time world records and whatnot at at 220 because. I'm not going 198 again. That was a bad idea. <laughs> but, like, but I had to try. I, I don't regret trying. But um, I'm still I'm still going to be pushing my own self. But it's I talked to uh, Tyree Dunn yesterday, who uh, he also competed at the push pull. He had a 500 pound bench and an 800 pound deadlift, uh, weighing I think uh, it was like 320 pounds yesterday. So he's. He's leaning up a little bit. Um, I think he's planning on going or attempting to go 308 at his next meet. He hold, he holds 320 pretty well. Yeah, I actually shit. wouldn't have guessed yeah. that he was 320. Yeah, he's 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 a big dude. I don't know. I might be wrong, but he's not he's not humongous. Like he's yeah. he, he's yeah. still an athlete. He still does sprints and stuff like that. So he's he's big big strong dude. But I've been friends with him and coaching him for close to three years now. And it's just we we talked yesterday about we talked yesterday about uh, sorry um, about how it's just sort of interesting that I just building that coach athlete relationship and I'm getting into a position where my athletes are stronger than I am you know and isn't I, it, isn't that the goal Yeah it is and it's it's just really funny because it's he told me yesterday he's like I I'm gonna beat you today and I was like. No, you're not, you know, because it's like it's that fun. We're still friends and whatnot, and it's just that uh, that friendly competition, and it pushes me, but it also pushes him because, like, I have I've been competing for over a decade, you know. Um, I've been coaching for over five years now, I think, and it's just it's adding fuel to the fire for him and myself, and that's sort of the best the best scenario you can find yourself in. Let me break that down a little bit, too. So you've been competing for over a decade. Uh, you have been coaching for about five years. Um, you're only 25 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Turned 26 in like a week. But I start, I, I'm lucky. I, 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 I came up in a uh, – I, I grew up in Flint, Michigan. Uh, I went to Powers Catholic High School uh, in Flint. There was a – powerlifting club at my high school and the uh, freshman football coach that's nice yeah the freshman football coach uh was the coach of the powerlifting club also so he got me into that and I started in the USAPL in single ply and I've been I just haven't ever stopped and I mean in high school there were periods where it, it was like I would lift for six months and then take six months off and just play xbox live and like modern warfare and whatnot but <laughs> you know it's it was much less serious but then my senior year of high school i got way way more way i guess dedicated or i just didn't take that much time off and i just kept going and i just haven't stopped since then so yeah that's pretty yeah. similar to to my stories like the same thing well i didn't have i went to penn they didn't have a, a powerlifting team but i played sports and then it was like my sophomore year, you know, eighth, you know, seventh, eighth grade through freshman year is like, you know, kind of off and on. Like I was exposed to lifting, but, you know, really had no clue what I was doing, but I knew that I liked it. And then it was about sophomore year where it was like, 
all right, you know, I want to see where I can take this thing. I still didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I just knew I wanted to, like, I wanted to be in the gym. Like, I liked the feeling of lifting weights even more so than playing football or wrestling or being in track. Like, I love to be in the weight room. So then, you know, became that religious process for me every day. And I kind of wanted to comment, you know, you're talking about being a coach and, I've kind of starting to come to that same point where, you know, you, like you said, you start to get athletes that are getting stronger than you. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a challenge in a way. Cause it's like your, your ego, you're like, Oh mm -hmm. fuck. Like I'm this guy that's, you know, maybe sometimes has been training less time than you have. And like, mm -hmm. they're getting stronger than you, but you know, part of, you know, is like, this is how it's supposed to be. But then the other part, you know, mainly your ego and your pride is like, Oh fuck. Yeah, you know, it, it's your coach mind versus your athlete mind. And yeah. I, I, I talked about that yesterday with the guys I was hanging out with because I'm 20 pounds down from where I normally sit. So I'm not, hitting numbers that I want to like my deadlift is is where it should my squat and deadlift are okay but then my bench is like I hit a 485 pound bench yesterday which is 60 pounds off my bench and I'm just like or off my best and I'm just like oh my god like what the hell am I doing I needed to go eat like six pizzas yeah. and <laughs> like get get back to where I was but I'm like no the coach in me is like dude, what do you expect like if I was coaching a person that was in that position I'd be like what do you think is going to happen? You've been doing conditioning like every day, but then the athlete in me is like, God, I'm so weak. Like, uh, I'm, I just need to like go hide and like hate myself for a minute. Yeah. So. No, I, yeah. I love that. Cause I, it's I funny. definitely relate to that. Mm -hmm. And like the more I've been coaching, it's gotten a little easier for me to like take a step back and be like, okay, if I had an athlete going through this similar situation you know what what i tell them because like like you said it's always you start to beat yourself up and you're like fuck well i was stronger you know last year last month and you know what the fuck am i doing now i'm just being a piece of shit and you know but then having that perspective of like okay you know if, if i were an outsider if somebody was coaching me what would they tell me and lately especially for me that's kind of gotten me out of some some dark places Mm -hmm. training wise because i'm able to tell myself like hey this is part of the process like what do you like same thing what do you expect you're trying to like cut some weight right now do you keep ex you expect your hit prs every single week and so yeah i, I can definitely relate to that and i wanted to kind of comment because that when you were talking about coaching it kind of triggered that in me so but for you've been doing this for over a decade and you've accomplished so much already and you're taking this, you know, new career path and you realize that things like as, as, as far as powerlifting goes, what you've been doing this entire time, kind of how, I mean, you've made your name, um, your popularity in the powerlifting, the strength community. What drives you to still have that, uh, that warrior mindset in the sense of going for world records? Because you, you said, you know, I still have this. I still have this goal of of breaking world records still. But at this point, it's it's not going to happen right now mm -hmm. because your focus is somewhere else. So how do you keep that focus on the goal? Like what 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 drives a world record holder? Um, there well, there's a lot of drives. Uh, I would just sort of think that it's sort of the knowledge that I don't believe that I'm done yet. You know, it just sort of. I feel as though a lot of people, when they 
when they view themselves or when they view goals that they've set, it's a lot of the times it's very hard to sort of back away and say, okay, these are unfeasible. This isn't anything that I'm going to reach. But it, at the same time, it's also a, uh, a difficult scenario in order to, a difficult scenario to sort of view it as I am fully capable of reaching this point, but I may have to put it, not put it off, but realize that it may not be the priority right now. It may have to be the priority two years from now, but realizing, and this is hard for me sometimes because I've been in it for so long, but I still have to remind myself that I am only 25 going on 26. There are guys that are hitting world records in their 30s. There are guys hitting world records in their 40s after full knee replacements like Vlad Alzahov and like just... We talked you're, about that the other yeah, day. You're, you're, you're only done when you say you're done, I, I really think, and just sort of sort of realizing that, like, I like I hit that 936-pound uh, transformer bar squat in the cage and just realizing, okay, I've gotten to that point. I've gotten to a 21-31 uh, total. I may not be at that point right now just because of the conditioning of the fire department training of whatever else is going on. But you, I, I know I have the knowledge because this is an, it's an individually based sport, like an individual accomplished based sport. I know that if I choose to and like put everything towards it, I'll be able to reach that point again, you know? And it's, and, and sometimes it's having the knowledge to, Realize, like, if you're knocking on mid-30s, early 40s, you, like, may have kids, may have career change. Like, who knows? I could get hired by the fire department. Or, like, I might not. I might start a business or something. You know, you never know. Like, look a decade from now. Nobody knows where they're going to be. But just sort of realizing that, okay, if I choose this path, I fully intend to reaching my – I have the full intent to reach my end goal – but I'm okay with if I choose this path, this is a, a different goal or an offshoot of that original goal, but I'm okay with that. I'm owning my choices. And it's sort of like I have this shirt on. It's earn your regrets, you know. You you can choose your path, but you have to be um, completely okay with whatever it may result in, whether that's victory or defeat or regret or whatever. I guess I, I have the same question for Nathan because I've been with you since – pretty much close to the beginning. And when I first met you, there was this streamlined vision of becoming an Olympian. I remember it. I remember yeah. you telling me that you were going to do it. And there were multiple people that I said, I, I believe this kid. I, I think you were 20 at the time, 20 or 21. Yeah, yeah, I came up here. Yeah, it's probably like 20. And uh, I remember you competing uh, in, that, in that meet in uh, Bloomington, I think. I can't remember what it was. If I'm not mistaken, and it's still one of your one of your better meets. Yeah, that is is like what I hit there, especially my my cleaning jerk. That was that was my best cleaning jerk I've hit, and I've kind of talked about this on different podcasts and on posts and stuff. Because really, this this past really since then, because shortly after I competed in university or like under twenty five nationals, and that's when I blew out my other knee. And it's since then, it's been this very extremely slow, painful, frustrating crawl back. 
And, you know, kind of going off of what you were saying, it's, it's almost like a, like a spiritual crisis in a way. Cause like when you identify so much into your sport you know, being an athlete, whether, you know, it doesn't matter what the sport is, but like your whole identity gets wrapped up in your ability to perform and, and win competitions and being competitive and so when something happens that strips you away from that or even you know just whether it's an injury whether it's just a a life crisis or a career change or whatever it may be you know it really puts you down deep within yourself and you know forces you to face a lot of those demons and a lot of those emotions because you know your whole ego is wrapped up in this one thing so not being able to do that one thing how you visualize yourself doing it it's just a, it's a complete, you know, mind fuck, emotional fuck, spiritual fuck. And, you know, after that me and kind of going through everything I've been going through, trying to crawl my way back, it's like the the dreams are still the same. Like you said, I'm not done until oh, yeah. I say I'm done. And I know like I am nowhere near what I'm capable of. I just feel that not to say that all of this shit I've been doing these past three years wasn't necessary for my growth. Like, I feel like I've gained a lot of value, but I really have been on this plateau for the past three years. And the more I grow and like, it's gotten to the point now where like, I know just through my own studies and experimentations, like I know I've got my fucking diet down. I know I've got my sleep and recovery down the only thing that was stagnant, and we've kind of talked about this, was like my, you know, the, the last variable I didn't change was what I was doing in the gym and my, my programming. And I was working with different coaches and stuff. And it finally got to the point where it was like, okay, you know, I'm doing everything right. Like there's the one thing I haven't changed. Like now it's time to, you know, take a look at that. And so I kind of took things back into my own hands and I mean, whether it's placebo effect or just me thinking that shit's working or it's actually doing what it's supposed to do, like, just through me getting back into powerlifting shit and strongman shit, like, the shit that I started out with even before I touched Olympic weightlifting, because for me, at least personally, like, I feel good when I have heavy things in my hands and when I'm able to, like, express my raw strength that that you can do with powerlifting and strongman because olympic weightlifting it's so technical yes it's very powerful and explosive but compared to like a max effort deadlift or a max effort squat it's just the percentage of weight you're handling on a day-to-day basis just isn't the same Mm -hmm. and so personally for me getting back to lifting just heavy shit it's I've already kind of noticed the difference in just how the weight feels when I go back to do my Olympic lift. So kind of making full circle with your question. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm still on the path and I think I've began to, you know, start to figure this shit out and all the things I've had to go through to get up to this point have definitely been necessary, even though they haven't been ideal. Cause like we've already talked about before, you know, those, those challenges and, Cause you know, there's many times where it's like, you know, you know, we can all relate where you're like, fuck, none of this is working. Like, why am I even doing this shit anymore? Am I, you know, I could be spending all this, these hours I'm at the gym going and getting a different job, making more money to, you know, have better things, have nicer things. But I'm still like showing up every day and sacrificing so much of myself and 
time away from, you know, my relationships and my family and all of these things because I have that belief that I can make something out of this thing. And, you know, you just, whether it's that one little thread you're hanging on to, you know, you just keep showing up every day. And then the people that are able to stick those times out, like those are the people that eventually, you know, they're rewarded and they, they make the progress and they have the success that they want to because you have to go through that shit. You have to go through those dark times because those are what teach you and those are what make you become the person that you need to become to like to even handle achieving what you're capable of handling. Yeah, so. sort of, sort of coming off of that is because uh, there's a couple of things um, just from everything that you just said. Like, if if you think about it, just how it is an identity crisis when you sort of have to reassess where you're going or what your goals are. Um, there, like, look look at me for instance. There's a reason that my inst and it's stupid and contrived, but it, there's a reason my Instagram handle is Joe Sullivan Powerlifter. It's a very huge part of my identity, you know, and that's not Joe Sullivan powerlifting coach. It's not Joe Sullivan potential firefighter, yeah. you know, yep. it's it's Joe Sullivan powerlifter. So if there there have been a couple of times in, in my career where I've like two ruptured bicep tendons, a lot of torn muscle bellies, herniated disc in my neck, just a lot of stuff. And there have been moments where it's sort of you have to like I had to consider like, one, is this all worth it? Or two, am I going to be able to reach that end goal that I initially envisioned for myself? Or will I need to pivot off of it? And then that that sort of leads into uh, an analogy that uh, Chris Duffin brought to my attention or, or told me about, I think like, I think like three years ago, I, I can't remember, but sort of if you if you view it, like, what is what is that? Uh, what is that saying? It takes like 10,000 hours to become a master at any one skill, like 10,000 practice hours. Consider those 10,000 hours as 10,000 10, like heads of cattle. And your starting point is your, your beginning of your journey towards the all-time world records, to be, being an Olympian, to being a successful business owner. The, that that end goal, you can see it off in the distance, but you know it takes a long, long time to get there. And if you're hurting those ten thousand head of cattle, if you if you make it your your main objective and your main priority to, I don't want to say micromanage, but just make sure that none of those head of cattle stray whatsoever. And you're controlling every variable, and you're hyper analytical and you're uh, continually running from side to side, making sure that, okay, this one's staying here, this one's staying here, this one's staying here, nobody's going anywhere. Ultimately, you're not going to move. You're going to have a very nice spot, and you're going to have those 10,000 head of cattle, and you're going to keep an eye on all of them and control all of them, but you're not going to actually travel any distance or any appreciable distance. If you make it the goal to just go towards that end goal, and run full head of steam at that end goal, you might you might make a good distance, but before you know it, you're going to look around and those those heads of cattle aren't going to be around you anymore. You have to be okay with either going like going and knowing that your end goal is reaching that destination, 
but you have to also understand some of those heads of cattle are going to drift off. You have to be okay with loss, and you have to be okay with going with the natural flow of things because if, if the head of cattle, you're just one man, you can only control so many variables, and you can only control so many things because you can't control other people, you can't control other situations, you can't decide when a tendon is going to blow off, you can't decide when you're going to go through a divorce, lose a job, uh, have to adjust and pivot, but you can be okay with going and heading towards that end goal. But if you end off, uh, end up a little left of center or a little right or a little short, you can still look around and have quite a bit of, quite a bit of cattle around you and be in a much better position than you were when you first started. It's about adaptability and being, being fluid and being okay with that, being okay with yourself enough to being all right with potentially adjusting and being okay getting to a position that isn't necessarily the original end goal you envision yourself, but it's a pretty damn good end. end. Yeah, and like that's... That. Yeah, and I think what people don't realize is that, you know, when they think of, like, that saying, it takes 10,000 hours to get to mastery, they think that, oh, it's going to be, you know, 10,000 hours of just constant improvement. But really, it's like you maybe you got 100 hours of improvement, then you got 300 hours where nothing fucking happens, Mm -hmm. but you're still putting the work in. You know, I always like to use the, you know, kind of the same, same concept, like the analogy, you know, of the the lotus is the the lotus flowers is one. Or I always say there's like a like there's a Chinese tree that it you have to fertilize, you have to water it and fertilize it for like five years in a row, and like nothing happens. Like, but if you skip any one of those years, it'll never grow. But if you continue to show up and put the work in, even though there may be nothing happening for five years, and then finally on that fifth year, it just fucking shoots up and grows, you know, within weeks. And, you know, kind of, like you said, going off of that. And then I always like to think, you know, it's better to aim, you know, the, the biggest dream that you can conceive of, you know, whether it's like being a world champ or being an Olympian, like the biggest dream that you can conceive of. Because like you said, you know, heading towards that dream, yeah, there might be things that start to stray off. There might be those cattle that stray off as you move towards those, towards that. And, you know, like you said, you might fall short. But, you know, you'd better, you'd rather fall short of, you know, being a world champ. Like, hell, you maybe you got second place. You know, you're second in the world versus saying, oh, I'll never, you know, that's never going to be me. I'll never get there. So you don't take any action towards that you know like if your goal is i'm gonna get a hundred dollars and you fall short of a hundred dollars and you got fucking ninety dollars versus i'm gonna make a hundred million dollars oh and i fell short of a hundred million so i only have 90 million it's like you always want to set those dreams high like dream as big as you can because even if you don't get there just the process of trying to get there and and regardless of what you even get out of it like yeah it's cool being second in the world if you don't get that ultimate goal of being first in the world but just think of everything you have to go through and then like the person you have to become just to get make it that far like you you can attest to this all the shit that you've had to go through to get to the spot 
that you're at now, like regardless of all the accolades and accomplishments, like if you took all that away and just think about like the person you've had to become and like the character that you've had to develop and then how that transfers over into every other aspect in your life, regardless of what you do. So like you said, shit might change and your course might end up changing. But if you put all that time in to try to achieve one goal, that person that you became trying to do that, even if that course veers off, like you're going to have all of that to bring no matter what it is that you decide to do, whether it's being a firefighter, whether it's being a business owner, because it's just the process. And that's what I try to kind of relate to people when it comes to strength sports. It's like, you know, yeah, maybe you never will be the best in the world, but the shit that it teaches you just by going through the process day in and day out, and really not even just strength sports, anything that you put your heart and soul into to be better at, into, you know, anything that's going to make you show up every day and put the work in, the type of person you become just having to go through that process carries itself over into every aspect of your life. Well, in those 10,000 hours, those 10,000 hours towards that goal, the, there's so many variables that come into that growth, whether it's mental, spiritual, physical. You don't know where that's going to end from one to 10,000 either, or the type of person or the, how you're going to evolve at the end of that, at the end of that. You know what I'm saying? I'm using that as just like a, as a, as a um, arbitrary, I guess, timeline. But growth can come in so many different ways. And we've talked about this before. Um, that's where a lot of you could be the strongest. You were the strongest that you'd ever been three years ago at that meet. But now you can count yourself probably stronger spiritually, mentally now than you were at that point. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, it's interesting. That's why I wanted to have um, both you guys on here, too, to, to talk to you about this, because we have we have somebody who whose goal was to be an Olympian, uh, a world record um, powerlifter. I'm the guy that you were talking about. I'm, I'm 35, so I'm in my mid-30s. I'm, I'm, my powerlifting career started, you know, in my 30s. Like, I, I, was, I, was, well, I was 29 when I did my first uh, powerlifting meet, but I was never going to be uh, a, a top 50, 100 powerlifter, but I've also been around enough to see the sport evolve. When I started, there was no women in meets, uh, even that, that short of a time ago. I don't think people, people understand, like, that have the, the love and the history for the sport. It's been around for 80-some years or whatever, but really has only tapped the social presence over the last few years. Um, and you're starting to see the evolution of the athletes as well, because you know, when I first started, a 198-pounder that was pulling, you know, in the mid to high sixes was a pretty big deal. And now, I mean, if you're not keeping up if you're not creeping on 800 pounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same with squats. Everybody's squatting in the nines now or the high eights. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's insane to see that happen. Or 198-pounders and 220-pounders that are benching in the mid fives consistently. For me... My goal is completely different because I'm not going to be that. And I'm okay with that. I talked to you about this just the other day when we were meditating that one day. I said, you know, I, once I got past the point of realizing um, that I'm chasing something that's not realistic, I had to readjust where my 10,000 minutes were going. And that's as, uh, as a coach, as a programmer, as, as a motivator, because uh, I think that's where my skills are best used. Um, I had 
you know, yesterday was, none of yesterday was about me, but apparently my passions spilled out enough to where I was getting, I got a mass amount of texts and messages and everything else of people telling me, um, you know, what my words meant to them and like what I meant to my athletes too. My athlete, I had 13 people do the push pull that I programmed yesterday and they all did amazing, which was pretty cool. Cause a lot of them, we didn't even stray away from their programming. Cause it was, you know, it's a charity event. It's a fun thing. Um, but the emotional side of it, the, the spiritual side of it, the, the passionate side of it came out to where they all let me know, even the athletes that weren't mine, what I meant to them and this journey for them. And to me, that is, I think that's my path. That's my path for this sport. Um, I've, I've, you know, my, my name is not in the open, you know, open powerlifting records uh, anywhere near where you're going to find it. You know, I'm in the thousands and stuff like that. And my next competition will be the same way. You know, my little 1700 at 198 is probably going to be the best I get, you know, but I'm going to be the guy that's still there um, wrapping people that I've never met before at meets and, and handling people. And uh, Dustin posted, Dustin's not my athlete, and he's been competing for a decade and a half, and he hit that 600. He's a 148-pound um, competitor, and that's something I've seen him hit at the top and drop in meets and something that's been, you know, he's been chasing for a long time, and he hit it at this push-pull. You can see me in the background, and he said, he goes, honestly, man, he goes, please just watch till you see Michael's reaction when I hit this. He goes, there was nothing in me that was going to keep me from locking that out, knowing that he was behind behind me, celebrating with me and watching me and cheering me on. That's what I, that's what I want. I want that to evolve. I want that to continue to be my legacy in this sport because the sport means a lot to me. I may not be a world record holder, but you've seen me train. You've seen me train. You've seen me train. I train like I'm training to be a world record holder, and I put my heart into it like I'm going to be a world record holder, but it's not going to happen. So my 10,000 minutes are put in a different direction. And there's, there's things that I've changed a lot in my life to, to, to make those other aspects, my spiritual side, mental side, um, evolve to make me a stronger person, uh, not only for myself, my athletes, the people that walk through the doors of this building, the people I meet at these meets, but also my, my two kids, uh, for, for Mia, for Cameron, um, and that's why I'm, you know, it was two podcasts ago when you really brought to light what meditating should be, how difficult it was and how, how, um, it's not an easy thing to do, but you need to find your way to spend that time with yourself. And I've used the, I've used the, um, example or whatever you want to call it of you saying you stand, standing in the middle of a tornado and you see all these things in your life spinning, you know, fast around you while you're in the middle of this tornado, and you're trying to grab all of them at the same time because you see all these things, and then settling yourself down and just focusing on one, focusing on one thing, pulling that out, and, and meditating. And um, it may not have been a big deal to you, but when we, when it was just me and you last weekend, and then you know, I was just balancing on a on that uh, Swiss ball, just sitting there balancing, holding everything together, and you were doing yoga. That to me was 15 minutes of just pure emptiness, just freeing everything out, focusing on one thing, and I felt the most complete, I guess, in that small amount of time than I ever had. And I want more of that. That's what I want. That's what I, I, I want more of those moments to continue to grow. Um, you guys have your whole lives ahead of you still. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm old, but I'm a decade older than you guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a lot. 
yeah and and so um these like these new parts of my life i mean i wish i would have got started and i've always called myself a poor man's renaissance man because i've done i've done a strong i've done strong man i've done a highlands game for crying out loud i've powerlifting competitions i did golden gloves boxing for a long time all these things that uh all these things that uh, people are so much better than me at but i've always wanted to just put myself into different challenges and test myself test my my mental fortitude my spiritual fortitude and i want to do that again but on a whole different level now i want to go in and i want to put my mind body and soul into it and make that real you know not just say hey i did this and yeah. I might, you know, I might have done terrible at it, and that's okay. But at least I did it. Now it's something. It's it's just something more meaningful to me. Yeah, that's that's the beautiful thing about it all, because you really never know where life is ultimately going to take you. You know, because like what starts out as a love for just lifting, like when you actually move into that love and move into that passion, because you know you see it all the time. So many people neglect what they love to do just because they, they think, oh, I, I need to go do this thing because I need to make money or I need to go do this thing because, you know, I, I need to make my parents happy or, you know, my, my wife wants me to do this thing so she can be happy. And, you know, we never, so many people get so caught up in whether it's society or what their ideas of what other people want them to do that they never truly find and experience what fills them with love and joy and passion. And you realize like once you move into that path and find those things and, and do those things, like, yeah, you may never, you know, if your love is powerlifting, you may never be a world record holder, a world champion, but by doing that thing that you love and by growing into that, not only does it allow you to grow into yourself, but it allows you to, you know, as you grow into whatever you're, that is that you're doing, you, it allows you to, you know, whether you're, you can see where if your path starts to change and you can kind of follow down that path. And like I said, if it starts out as you love lifting and then you realize, oh shit, you know, lifting's cool, but you know, I'm really getting involved in coaching people and helping other people and being, being a speaker or whatever that may be, but if you never gave yourself the permission to pursue that thing that you love, you never ultimately find that endpoint and realize like, oh shit, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and I feel like so many people miss out on that in life because they get so caught up in everything else and so caught up in that, that whirlwind of things moving around them and thinking they have to do all of these things for everybody else and, you know, neglect the one thing that fulfills them. And, you know, kind of going off of the, the meditation thing, that's Whatever your practice is, whether it is just sitting down under a tree or whether it's doing Tai Chi or fucking balancing on a Swiss ball, it really doesn't matter. But, you know, the paradox of it all is as we grow, we think we have to do more and more and more and more to get to, you it's know, my to post keep that I made about us meditating together. It's the same thing. I said the exact same thing. You think you have to do all these other things. Yeah. And your mind becomes your enemy. Yeah, but then through whatever practice you do to reel yourself back in, you realize, oh, shit, okay, I can kind of see now those one or two or three things that are actually important 
in my life and not get so caught up in all of these, you know, essentially just distractions taking you away from the few meaningful things. You know, it's like they always say, well, there's a saying, it's like the person that says they don't have time to sit down and meditate for 30 minutes probably needs to meditate for three hours. Yeah. Because you, well, you think you need to be involved in all these things, but when you take time to get away from it all, that's, that's the paradox where you realize, like, shit, I don't need to do all of these things. If I just focus on the few things that are really going to move the needle in life for me, like, that's all I need to worry about. And, and that's, uh, like, a couple of things off of what you just said is just sort of, it's, it's applying the core values of a lot, like, a, there are a couple, of, a couple of companies that I'm associated with, like one elite FTS, like, the core, the core principles of that company are live, learn, and pass on. And it's, it's being okay, it's living, it's making those decisions, learn, uh, living and like making the decisions, choosing your path, adjusting the path when you need to, but realizing like this, it's your life, it's the only one that you have, these are deci- the decisions that you're making, you have to be confident in them, but you have to be okay with either falling short or not exactly ending up where you want to be. And then it's learning, which is when you fail, when you succeed, when you have to adjust your path, when you have to go through a disaster, a terrible thing in order to adjust or to realize like, okay, this is where I need to go or what I need to be. It's lear- it's learning and adopting those that new knowledge and being okay with having that new knowledge and and moving with it and then living your life in accordance to that new knowledge in the future. And then it's passing on those things that you have learned because of the life that you've lived, whether that's passing on through uh, having kids, coaching, being a motivator like Mike was talking about, uh, applying these these principles and these values to uh, the people that you coach. Uh, when you're emceeing at a charity event, for just just like when Mike you were speaking yesterday like honestly I you you know I'm I'm frustrated about the whole hook grip thing because like I personally I want to continue to push my total and whatnot I'm trying to figure out my deadlift but like I tore my hand open on that first attempt and like had downward movement on the bar so didn't get it and then I was like I don't even because it was a it was a charity event I'm like I don't even care like I'm just gonna keep trying to do it to see if I can do it and I tried on my second attempt, it slipped out of the tape unrolled in my hand and it slipped out of my hand. And then on the third, I was fully intending to just try to do hook grip again with no tape just to figure it out. But then I heard you you were speaking like before I was going, talking about how I, di- I didn't know you and like everything that was going on. And it just basically, it, it, ma- it made me be like, well, I don't even care what I have to do to lock this out, I'm, I'm going to. Like, it's just the principle of the thing. It wasn't, that wasn't a PR, you know? It wasn't even particularly difficult. It was just, like, based on the principle here, I I have to do this. And, like, your words had, had an effect on me yesterday, and I just like they had an effect on everyone who was in attendance. So it's just, that's the passing on. And, and in my own action of passing on it's it's the contributions that i make to the variety of things 
in my life, you know, like I there I had that video on Elite FTS, the why powerlifters should go to therapy, and you can uh, extrapolate off of that. Like that could be why powerlifters should meditate, why powerlifters should just chill the fuck out sometimes, you know, <laughs> like it, it, whatever you want to, whatever phrase you want to insert in there, it's just why you should be proactive about owning your life as opposed to just passive in being like, well, all this stuff is happening to me. I feel bad. It's like, guess what? Everybody does. You're yeah. not special. You Just because like life is shitty doesn't mean that you get an award for your life being <laughs> shitty. You have yeah. to, you have to figure it out. You either figure it out or you don't, you yeah. know? And if you don't, it doesn't get better if you complain about it. So you, it's, it's just like you either rise to the occasion or you don't. And that's, that's sort of uh, my my core principle on that is just like contribution, you know, like making making those videos, uh, just being the best that you can be, whether that like the best that I can be, and then therefore by proxy, seeing everybody around me be the best that they can be, because that is my that's what my purpose is. It's it's the contribution. It's the the not giving back, but it's just giving. You know, it's yeah. just the simple act of giving. And that's sort of. And social media exemplifies the shitty life concept that you mm-hmm. were you were saying too, and it's one of those things. I, I've had this conversation with lots of people because um, I'm very I'm very careful about even I, I only have an Instagram, and I'm very careful about what I post. Um, even with stuff with Mia, it's almost always a celebration. Like it's something that something like what she's dealing with. It's it's terrible and and horrifying and and she should not have to shoulder this at all at four years old, but it's always a celebration. But you'll never see me post a meme about you know haters or this and that. We've talked about this before, all this other stuff or people with negative because it, it it there's no room for it. It doesn't have any purpose. It doesn't do anything to build anybody else up. And I know that I have a, a, a I guess a misconstrued view of what social media is supposed to be about anyways. I'm not posting selfies of myself. I'm not putting shirtless pictures of myself. I'm not saying, you know, you know, fuck the haters or here's my huge ass PR, this and that. Like none of that is happening or how amazing my relationships are when in actuality behind closed doors I'm falling apart. Like that doesn't happen with me. And I think that that maybe I'm not the norm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm not, but I want to have that ability to be at least one of those people, one of those people that are, that are, you know, trying to make it seem like it's a believable thing, that it's a real thing. And and off of that is like you you aren't the norm. The the contribution isn't the norm. The transparency is the norm. I've or isn't the norm. I've had so many people come up to me and be like, Joe, you're you're so real, man. And I'm like, as opposed to fucking what? <laughs> Why the fuck is that the exception? Like I don't understand. It it takes effort. It takes it takes decision and action to be this like false representation of yourself and I just don't understand like and and that's being okay with posting like if you're struggling but realizing that okay I'm struggling but everybody else is too like I need to figure out what I need to do I need to be proactive about this because it's my proactivity and my true representation of myself, your true representation of yourself, guess what that does? That makes everybody around you want to do the same thing. And it's, if you are the exception, 
if I'm the exception, if everybody in this room is the exception, we fucking shouldn't be, you know? That's that's the passing on part. It's showing everybody and saying, like, it's okay to not be, you know? Like, we can be better. You can be better. You can be you can be more than what you resign yourself to be. We we've gotten to a point where we're getting a handshake or a pat on the back for being real. I mean, that is a yeah. social fuck right yeah. there. You know, like that's that is a and and you'll it, sometimes it'll flip too. Like it'll be like, well, how come you don't post this or post that? And I was like, well, because that's that's not that's not how that's not how things are. Your perception of what my life is like is not the real thing. You know what I'm saying? And and so I I it it just blows my mind, like you said, to get a a pat on the back for being for being quote unquote real, uh, especially in this day and age where social media is the best perception of what each and every one of us are, uh, is just a social fuck to me. Yeah, and that's that's why I like these podcasts a lot because you know when you're sitting having a conversation with somebody for one two three hours like. You, you can't really bullshit for that long. Like you can bullshit on a little on a picture and a little caption. You can bullshit people all day on just short little posts, but you know, sitting down and actually having to have a, a deep and intimate conversation with somebody, you know, that that bullshit that you try to, to filter yourself through gets exposed pretty quickly and we can actually you know dive in depth on different topics and you know talk about you know the struggles that we that everybody faces and I, I really like I like those principles a lot because I, I feel like you you can't really live a fully actualized life without you know putting yourself into any any one of those like they all three need to be there like you need to live because you need to have the the life experiences and the skills and the struggles and then you need to have the learning because you need to learn from those experiences and learn from those struggles and learn how to make yourself a better human being I mean we see it all the time, especially, you know, on, on social media where you got people that, you know, whether they got some PhD or 20 letters past their name or they went to school for a thousand years, but they never actually did the living part. And so they're just, you know, a talking head. They're spilling out, you know, regurgitating all of this information, telling people what they should and shouldn't do and how to live when they haven't gotten, you know, their hands dirty and done the hard work to implement all the things that they're telling other people to do and then you know like you need to have the contribution because if you just you know learn all these things or you know you have all these experiences but you don't turn around and give that back and help other people you know that's that's your legacy that's you know you can't no matter how much money you make all the shit that you bought you can't take that shit with you when you die mm -hmm. like the only thing that you can take is the impact that you've had on the world and the person that you've become by living and by learning and then by contributing and passing and passing that on to everybody your legacy means so much your it means so much and it's not a it's not a will or a, an estate or a life insurance policy and i don't think people realize that yeah and i just building off of that like i it's i i mean i i don't know like i've had it's been a very transformative year for myself and just uh I, I spoke at my uh, my grandfather's funeral uh, about a week and a half ago, 
And like the biggest thing that I focused on was just like that that act of contributing, the act of contribution. And I apologize if I get emotional right now because it's just it, it's relatively recent. But um, we I, I made a point to say it's just in in the idea of leaving your legacy. It's the the whole thing is you you die twice. There are two. You have two deaths in in this life and I, I don't know what comes after nobody does nobody uh, like we there's no way of knowing until we get there but your first death is when, when you pass away when your body passes away when when you do actually like physically die but the second death is either the the last time someone speaks your name or the last time someone thinks about you and that's i man damn it um and I know, like, I am trying to uh, be hired by Columbus Fire because my uh, my grandfather was a fire captain in Flint, Michigan for 11 years, and I have his badge mm -hmm. from uh, when he retired in 1974. And I know that... Um, I know that in my life, I am going to... He, he, I won't let him die because I'm going to have that... And even if it takes me like 10 years from now, I fully intend to become a firefighter. And I know that Mike, the people in your life, they're not gonna let you die. They're not gonna, it, it won't happen because of the impact, because of the people that I saw here yesterday and because of the passion that I heard in your voice, I know they won't let that happen. So that's, that's the passing on, that's the contribution and that's, that's realizing and actualizing your purpose as an individual. And I know you know that. And just to see that and to share that and to be in a room with another person like that, it's powerful and it's cool. So. Yeah. And with your legacy, I mean, I, I feel like it goes, you know, it's not this thing that we can choose. Like, oh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll have contribution in the world and maybe I'll, you know, just I'll, I'll pursue this, my passion and do what I love. Like for me personally, it's almost gotten to this point where I feel like it is as a human being, it is your responsibility to go through those, those life values and to live and to learn and to pass on and to build your legacy because the more that we build ourselves up and the more that we have to give and the more that we contribute and help other people live and be the best that they can be like you know it's it's a ripple effect if we become the best that we can be in ourselves and then we help other people be the best that they can be like it just builds and it builds and it builds and ultimately you know we're we're not just changing our lives or somebody else's lives where you know we're changing the whole world and that's what people don't realize that you know we can get all in the fucking quantum physics and shit but you know your, your thoughts and, and your actions and all these things that you think they're just contained in this little meat flesh body that you have you know those things you know if you're constantly doing you know thinking negatively and uh, self-sabotaging actions like that's not just affecting you you're actually you're putting that energy out into the world and you're affecting everything and you're everybody the whole universe with what that you think that is just pertaining to you so in that regard you know it's it's our responsibility it's not just thing that oh maybe maybe I'll be a good person you know it's like you have to 
because we need, you know, it's up to us. Nobody, nobody can't expect the fucking birds out there to make the world a better place. Like that is the, the blessing and the curse of being a conscious human being. Like we are endowed with that responsibility because, you know, we see, you can obviously turn the news on and see how much we fuck the world up, you know, through our conscious efforts and through our so-called, you know, good intentions at times. But at the, in the same token, it's also our responsibility to make the world a better place. And I think all of those struggles and, you know, people kind of feel like they get upset sometimes at me. Like I've had a lot of personal relationships because they'll, people will tell me about, you know, struggles that they're going through or with somebody's, you know, relationship, a breakup, like something bad that's happening in their life. But I almost, I'm always like, good. Like, I'm, you know, I'm happy for them in a way because I know that, you know, you don't grow when everything is going perfectly and, you know, your fucking bills are paid and you got a roof over your head, you got food, no, no worries. Like the growth always happens in the dirt, in the struggle, in that, you know, in that breakup, in that fucking, you know, bankruptcy, whatever, whatever struggle you're going through, like that's, that's where the growth happens. But, you know, it's up to us individually to see it that way and to have that perspective. Because like you said, if we're going around, you know, oh, feeling sorry for us, for ourselves and trying to get other people to feel sorry for us and not actually doing anything to change our situation, you know, you halt that growth process. Mm -hmm. But when you have that perspective where all of this shit that you think is happening to you, all the negativity, I mean, one, realizing that, you know, I was meant this shit was meant to happen to me. Yeah, it fucking sucks. But for some reason, and I don't know what it is, call it God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, like this shit was meant for me. Like me personally, like I was talking about my past three years of just constant struggle and trying to get myself back to where I know I could be. Like as much as it sucked and as frustrating as it's been, I feel like I was meant to go through that struggle. Because then when you go and, and you move beyond it and you learn from it, now you have that higher perspective. And now you can turn around and say, hey, guys, like, I've been through this. Like, I've had to put myself through this. I've had to grow from this. So here's, here's what I've learned. But when you don't allow yourself to grow from those experiences, you never learn. This goes back to the learning principle. You know, you can live, but if you're not learning from those experiences, no matter how bad you think they are, then that's going to affect what you have to pass on and what you have to contribute to the world. I just wanted to chime in real quick, too, with, with, with what Joe was saying about uh, losing your grandfather. Uh, years ago, when I lost my grandfather, it was, it was huge. Um, I, I have a relation to that. I mean, he was, he was a wonderful man. He, he did so many things. Not a single person had anything bad to ever say about him. And, like, going back into relation with, um, you know, your name carries on. You know, I, I've said it before. I, I've got it inscribed in my chest in Latin, non omnis moriar, not all of me shall die. Like, your legacy is going to carry on however you portray yourself to all of these people. Um, you know, whether, like, whether you're an asshole, you're going to be an asshole, you know, to, you're going to be remembered as an asshole to people. Or if you're an amazing, amazing person, you know, an you know, ordinary person doing amazing things, that's what you're going to be remembered as, too. And having the ability to harness that type of power and carry on in other people's lives by word of mouth, by, by your name, just saying your name, 
even relating back to Mike real quick too about you know you're gonna you're going to have haters in your life even your haters are going to carry your name on too like they they've you've made such an impact or staple in their life that even though they didn't necessarily like you for all the things that you were doing or you still made an impact your 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 name is still in their mouth and you're still being carried on and and the people that do love and care about you you're you're carrying on through them too so i mean it's it's really looking at both perspectives you know we're we're always going to carry on through positive or negative people yeah, yeah. we've uh we've talked about a lot of stuff today it's been good conversation we're right at an hour um there's just one more thing that i wanted to make sure that we just touched on and it's interesting because uh joe and i both posted about it yesterday uh and i i actually i read his post after i made mine um but it was something that hit us both uh pretty deep yesterday actually we talked about it with sean and veronica and jill was there too um you know i've my i guess my perspective on um like Christianity and, and, and God and um, the spiritual side of all of that has changed dramatically over the past few years. Um, I guess the pa- I would say the past 15 years even. Um, and uh, my uh, one of my aunts got up and she asked everybody in a room of a couple hundred people if she could pray. And, uh, you know, for me, that's something that's become a lost tactic in my life. Um, uh, I've done it a couple times in my most dire, you know, moments when I was laying in the hospital and they told us that Mia had cancer, uh, which obviously was not the the, the correct diagnosis. Um, I dropped to my knees in the most real way I've ever done it in my in my entire life and asked that a miracle happen where that's all pulled out of her and put inside of me. And I woke up the next morning and that that had had not happened. And um, you know, obviously she didn't have cancer. What she has now you can rate however severity of what it is that she has. I mean, the doctors are telling us that her liver is not even going to take this transplant and we won't know until they cut her open. But I asked that I put that on me and it didn't happen. And so I became angry and I became um, just thinking about how spiteful this being that people call God is and, 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 and not really reflecting on what, um, what, the symbol meant. Um, I've read the Bible front to back more times than not on my own. This guy's been one of my best friends for over two decades, and he knows my spiritual warfare. It, I didn't do it because I was brought up in a Christian family or because somebody um, told me this is what you're supposed to do. I did it because I was interested in it. So then I settled down and realized that the the world isn't going to give me um, everything, um, and the, this this universe that puts the good and the bad in your life. You have to be the one to deal with that the best way that you can. Um, but I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. My aunt stood in front of everybody, asked if, they could, if she could pray. Um, it's a bold thing to do, but it shows your faith because 50 people in that room could be like, no, fuck no, you're not doing that. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist, whatever. It was silent, and everyone you know, came together and allowed her to, to say the things that she said. You know, I've seen people that have prayed before and started speaking in tongues, and it just blew my mind because it, to me it seemed as though that was something that was bigger than them that, that was making them say the words that they, they were saying. Um, my aunt is, uh, she's not just a normal aunt. Uh, she 
my mom did not have uh, the easiest uh, time with me. I, I don't. I don't know my biological father. He, uh, you know, he took a look at took a look at me when I was very, very, very little and thought that it wasn't worth sticking around for. And uh, my mom was left, you know, uh, with me and my aunt. Pretty much was the reflective parent uh, and took care of me from day one to now. Um, and. She's a very important person in my life and one of the greatest human beings that you will ever meet. Um, she's very pure. And the words that came out of her mouth, I could tell weren't something that she had thought through or scripted or um, decided to um, put down on a piece of paper and say to us. But there was one line, and, and we talked about this, uh, and you made it, you put it in your post. And, it, and it, I, when I read it, I teared up again. I probably cried three or four times last night when I was thinking about this and manifesting it in, in, in my own meditation, but this is how it's supposed to be, is what she said. She looked around the room, and everybody was looking at her, and our hearts were collective in one place where nothing else going on, politics, uh, war, uh, famine, um, just the, the worst possible things on this earth that we have done. We, we made all these things happen, did not exist in this one time, in this one place. It was bigger than Mia. It was bigger than us. It was bigger than any weight that was lifted on that platform. She said those words, this is how it's supposed to be. And um, I can't get that out of my head. Uh, in that moment, I used the line, and Aaliyah said this to me. She goes, what made you think of that line? I was like, it just came to my head where I said, we, we were the martyrs in a destructive world at that point. And it's, you can take those small little moments. It may seem dramatic to some people, especially people that maybe have been in powerlifting meets or whatever. This wasn't a powerlifting meet. You know, it was, it was a collection of people that at one, in one small moment when those words were uttered, this is how it, this is how it's supposed to be. We were alone in the universe. And I very, very much believe that. And no one can tell me otherwise. Yeah, and that's and see like moments like that that we had yesterday. Like when it gets down to it, like that's what religion is. Like you take all the the stigmas, whether she was you know talking about God and Jesus, or it doesn't fucking matter. Like that feeling, that that feeling of oneness, and like that feeling that you get when you hear those words, like this is how it's supposed to be, and then you feel that that stillness and that that oneness, like that's that's God. Like that is a, that is a religious, that's a spiritual experience. And that's, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. And I feel like that the whole day yesterday had that feeling like, you know, that like that, those words, like this is how it's supposed to be, you know, that all the lifters and the passion and the love and everything that was there, like, you know, People go to church every Sunday for their whole entire lives and, you know, never get to experience that actual experience of what God is supposed to be, of what religion is supposed to be. You know, it's, it's a gathering. It is a union. It's weird that we have so many sectors of, you know, there's Christianity and Judaism and Islam. It's like, but the whole idea of religion is, is unity is finding, you know, like you said, there's that, there's something bigger than, no, yeah, exactly, and it's, same intentions, yeah, and it, and it's just off of that, it's like, we, 
we are God. You know, we are our own God. He's invoking. He yeah, he is he is in us. It is in us. It does. It's not a he or a she. It's not an anthropomorphic thing. It's like your I, your aunt said. This is how it's supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to be. This is how whatever you call religion is supposed to be. It's that feeling. It's being there. It's doing that. It's realizing. It's not about us it's not about mia it's not about you it's not about the money we raised it's not about the weights that were lifted it's about showing the world like the world like because one person could see that and that could change their world that's changing their entire perception of the world that's changing the world you know the world for them and it's showing them that it's okay to love and it's okay to give of yourself and it's okay to be the exception. Like we were talking about like, oh man, you're so real. It good. It's okay to do that. It's okay to cry in front of fucking however many people are out there. You know, it's okay to feel that. And sure. yesterday too, like Mike opened up you know, this conversation day with it. Like I was talking with Mike and you know, I had this overwhelming filming watching everybody, you know, as I'm, you know, filming and then, I so badly wanted to lift too. It's you know, it's my passion, but yesterday it wasn't meant for me. I was meant to capture. Like I'm I'm feeling like choked up right now just thinking about it. I was meant to capture all this beautiful um, just this beautiful moment that was going on through everybody, like the look in your eyes, the Mike's Mike yelling at his at his at his athletes and getting, you know, in their face and Man, it was just so beautiful, and seeing like the blood and the sweat and the tears coming from everybody, and I was meant to capture that yesterday. I wanted to lift so bad, but it wasn't meant for me. So my intentions yesterday were, you know, to capture these moments and and being subjected to it. You know, not only through the back of a camera, but being able to look away from the camera and just look around and see everybody's faces, see the blood, see the the chalk, the chalk everywhere, you know, see the sweat, see the support from everybody. People that didn't even know each other were supporting each other. And, you know, back to that's the way it's supposed to be. It just was a bigger moment for me when those words I looked around. I know every, I know every human, we have 109 members at East Race Muscle. I know every single one of them. Um, and, uh, I looked around the room and I've seen faces of addiction and struggle and suicidal thoughts and divorce and infidelity and uh, depression, anxiety. I, so many people put those things on my shoulder and those are things that I've felt. I've been on my last breath in addiction and you know felt the words pull me out and say that it's not it's not time yet. I've I've been to the lowest of lows. And I looked around the room at these faces of these people that have put this on me and, and even lesser struggles or more mental, spiritual struggles that we've talked about or the things that me and you have been through over the past 24 years, and none of it was there. None of it was there in that moment. Those words, everybody's, there were 200 or some people in, in, that, in that room, and there was silence, and those words were said, and it was a moment that I... <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating and people will think I am, but I wish we, I wish we could have shared that with the entire world, man. It, yeah. it will forever hold a strong place in my heart to, to be in a moment where there was literally no evil, no temptation, no anxiety, no depression. 
nothing was happening in that room except for just a congruent love and peace. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. That's, I mean, that, that is God. Like you said, God is literally everything. And, how, everyone. It's, and how it's supposed to be. Yeah, and it's like, you know, there, God is, is unconditional love. Like, God is not like, oh, he's bad, he's good. You know, that, like you said, there's not that he or she figure that a lot of people have. You know, it, it literally is we're all made out of some stardust that Callie came from billions of light years away. Like, we all come from the same exact elements. We're literally just different expressions of the same exact thing, different expressions of God. And, you know, since, and since God is unconditional love, you know, everything is perfect, the good and the bad, you know, and everything in between. And that's like moments like those when you have that unifying experience and you realize like, yes, regardless of what you know, everybody in this room has gone through in their life to get up to this moment, it's still all perfect because it's still all one. It's still all God, and it's exactly how it's supposed to be. Awesome. <laughs> I just want to say, to close it up, I am super, super happy that I got to experience that with every single one of you guys in this room, too. Evan, Sean, Nathan, Joe. Uh, it was a great experience. The thing about these type of things is come tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday, it starts to decline out like you you know your life moves on and Saturday becomes further and further in the rearview rear mirror I just want us all to make that promise today that we take that feeling and continue to do our part to push that along I mean yep. uh, in whatever path it takes us in life uh, we got to experience that together and it's something that shouldn't be buried down and and just lost so I don't know that's just my my promise to you guys, at least, that I, I will do that. Well, that's, I mean, you have my, pro you have my promise, man. I'm tattooed on my arm, so I can't really not do it. Yeah. So that's like every, you know, every single day through training, through meditation, through just life in general. It's, you know, like you said, it all boils down to it is a, a spiritual practice. And, you know, remembering moments like that to help reel you back in and you know having that experience of what is possible and what can be felt and what is actually there you know you have that no matter what you end up going through in life you know and even if it does become a distant memory you can still practice drawing in that feeling that you know was real because you were there and you felt it just like everybody else all right on that I always sign off with my my saying that I always say in my on my post, rise and rise again until lambs become lions. It's a manifest iron. I love you guys. Love you, man. Love you, bro. Very much. Thanks. <laughs>